is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. And today's episode is around a topic that I think we all might have a little experience with, uh, <laughs> nipples. You know, nipples. The things on your chest, right? <laughs> I mean, what's interesting is that we all have them. It's this thing that we all have, yet... You might be surprised to find that nipples are legislated, nipples are argued about, nipples are banned from various social media platforms. There have been people advocating to free, free the, the nipple, nipple, you know, have your nipples be loud right. and proud displayed. And so today we're going to be diving into the weeds of these things on our chest, why they can cause such an uproar, and they're what folks so are doing about it. Yeah, they're titillating. One might even say. So I was actually quite surprised. This is not an issue that I think about a lot. Um, I, I, I tend to keep my shirt on <laughs> when I'm in public for the most part. Uh, so it's not an issue that I thought about until sort of thinking about how strange it was that a friend of mine who posted a picture on social media of her breastfeeding, that picture was taken down and she put it back up on social media. And then her Facebook page was banned. She was temporarily banned from Facebook because of this image. This was kind of a while ago. Facebook has since, I think, shifted their um, policies their, a little their bit. nipple policies a little bit. But I found that to be so strange, and I, I mostly just thought it was interesting how we have this big uproar over you know these two little bits of skin. Right, and it's definitely got some cross sections when it comes to gender. Obviously, plays a huge role in this because. We must be explicit in mentioning that men's nipples don't get removed from Instagram or Facebook. They do not. Men can walk around topless today, although we're going to talk about how that wasn't always the case, without getting arrested, without causing an uproar. Causing an uproar. And yet, there's also an element of motherhood that's kind of interesting here, yeah. right? The functional use of nipples is somehow more tolerable in pub in the public space than the non-functional yeah. Like, use? we're fine if it's sexualized, if it's a sexualized woman's body, we're less fine if it's if it's right. if it's like it's not it's not the same thing. We're not we're right. not thinking about it in the same way. Um, mm-hmm. I remember being maybe I was nine, and I I have I have brothers and male cousins and all of that. I remember we had gone to the park, and we were all. My dad used to do this thing where he would let us run through the sprinklers when yeah. it was nice. And I remember on the way back, you know, it's summertime. Our shirts were all clammy and wet. And my cousins and my brother, they'd all taken their shirts off. And I remember thinking, oh, like, well, I should take... And, I'm, you know, I was a kid. I was very flat-chested. How, how so long? This was, Do you remember? I, I must have been, like, nine. Okay. Um, so, like, not much yeah. going on upstairs. <laughs> and when I took my shirt off, it was, like, so quickly apparent that I had made a huge error oh, in that's judgment. so interesting. And, you know, we didn't... We didn't look that different. Like, right. my cousin, my brother, like, like shirtless, we pretty much all looked the same. Yet, for me, it was clearly I had made a huge mistake. Like, I think it was okay until you, I think as as women, perhaps we hit an age right. where it, like, becomes not okay. But isn't it interesting at six, seven, eight, nine-year-old girls or whatever it might be, and maybe it's from birth in some families... It is already, you are already aware in the back seat uh, when you're wearing an uncomfortably clammy shirt, you're already being told that it is not okay for your little child nipples to be out next to the little boy nipples. Isn't that fascinating? Even though you, I mean, for a lot of women, they don't look that much different. Like if you had right. a 
nine-year-old boy up against a nine-year-old girl right. for a, like, at least for me i i mean today that's true for a lot of us ladies yeah. without much <laughs> no, going on it's there's, but same. like it's not even the per- it's the perception right isn't it it's the gender it's 100 percent gender that differentiates whether or not that's okay completely so this issue is a complicated one because it deals with law mm-hmm. and so many of these laws are different state by state and and disclaimer we're not attorneys. I am not a lawyer. This is <laughs> so not. So let's bring it down as yeah. best you can. Right? This is not legal advice. So please don't be like, oh well, I listened to this podcast and they said it was legal for me to be topless. Yeah. Don't use that as a court defense. Right. It will not hold up. <laughs> um, and so it's interesting that a lot of states they differ in the laws of how this is treated. Like for mm-hmm. instance, Arizona, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, New York, South Carolina, Utah, Virginia, and Washington are the only states in the United States whose laws expressly differentiate breastfeeding from acts of public lewdness, right? And so those are the only states where if you were feeding a child in public and if you were, you know, being like lewd, quote unquote, in public, they would see those differently legally. So this Mm. is an issue that, you know, if you cross a border, can be one way in one state, can be another way in another state. Mm. Um, There are actually communities of folks who have been advocating for public uh, toplessness, like laws to be changed, who kind of really aggressively chart how it plays out in different states. So if you want to know the legality of whether or not you can go topless in your city or your state, you can go to gotopless.org because they are very meticulously charting the legality down to like different subdivisions and things um, of where you can go topless as a woman and where you can't. Mm. So not only is this a modern day legal cluster, something I can't completely say on this podcast, but it's it's you know, it's such a clear reflection of America's discomfort and difference in opinions over nipples, whether they're on a men, man's body or a woman's body. But men actually went through the same fight back in the 1930s, which you can read more about thanks to the marvelous former host and founder starter of this incredible podcast, Kristen Conger, writing for StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. You can find it on the blog. She wrote a great article about how American men won the right to go topless. And in fact, in the 1930s, there were lots of laws saying that male you know, toplessness, Mm -hmm. male nudity on the top was just as lewd as women. But when we started uh, hitting the beach a bit more and bathing suits became a thing, there were there was a brief fight to free the nipple for men. And that brief fight was won swiftly in the in the courts uh, legally. And in the 1930s, male nipples really had their heyday on the silver screen Kristen writes, Olympian Johnny Weismuller wore nothing but a loincloth in 1932's Tarzan and the Apes. Two years later, Clark Gable impressively sidestepped the Hayes Codes, which were the laws outlawing male nipples in, for public display, with his famous undressing monologue to Claudette Colbert, Colbert in It Happened One Night. Oh, So it's interesting how men's undershirts even fell after the film's release and... These sort of male swimmers uh, in Coney Island sort of daringly flaunting their nipples, bucking the laws, bucking the shirtlessness bans. Uh, and finally, after a series of fines and some advocacy on this issue, a judge overturned New York State's male shirtless ban in 1937. So male nips won the right to, to be on display in a short seven-year legal battle in a lot of ways. And male nipples were here to stay. And I think it's interesting that, like, as it goes with many issues, women, of course, are kind of just catching up. You know, we are... Not even. Held back, right? Yeah, held back. Like, I mean, it's not like we we don't want that. Right. I mean, it's just like... And also, here's the thing. People will say, and I remember when I was first getting hip to this issue, 
women's boobs are different. Boobs are sex objects. Boobs are sexual in nature right. when they're on a woman. And reality is we've made them sexual. Right. And again, I mean, I just think it's very interesting um, in doing a little bit of research for this this episode. One, when you think about how many sexualized images we see all the time and that we've taken... Hamburger commercials, right. car commercials. And we've taken, like, like that somehow is okay. But, you know, when you're, like, feeding a child or something in public, like, that's not okay. Like, I, I find that to be kind of fascinating and also just nonsensical. It seems so arbitrary how we've... How we've gotten ourselves into kind of a moral panic around something that should be so natural and, you know, and normal. And every other part of your breast being out is fine. Under boob, side boob, top boob, cleavage, we've, we love it all until you show you some areola. Nip. Once you hit the nip. Isn't that's... it Janelle Monet who, in her song Yoga, says, you cannot police me, so get off my areola. I love <laughs> it's that. It's like just that one part of your breast becomes not acceptable anymore. Then you're, like, you can be arrested. Yeah, and, and, and I think what's interesting, again, is some of the legal information out there around nipples. Um, the late Supreme Court Justice Scalia in this landmark 1991 Supreme Court case, Barnes versus the Glenn Theater, uh, it concerned the First Amendment and whether or not the government could outlaw certain forms of expressive content if it involved public nudity. And so in this ruling, which was like a landmark kind of case, Scalia found that or he ruled that public nudity was a just as immoral and lumped it alongside things like drug use, cockfighting, bestiality, which you think of as... When we say cockfighting, we're talking about roosters. Yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. Thank you for that. <laughs> we're talking about lewd acts, Sarah. Sure, yeah, it could be anything. could be anything. Um, but yeah, and so he lumped public nudity or, along with those like things that you think of as, as um, you know, things you shouldn't be doing. Right. And another another judge... He ruled that public nudity was connected to a rise in sexual assaults uh, and things like other kinds of like, you know, illegal behavior. And Mm -hmm. what's interesting is that I couldn't find any research that showed those two things were connected, that public nudity and a rise in sexual assaults were related. They very well may may be, but I couldn't find anything around that. Um, And yeah, I I found that very interesting, too, because when you look at these individual cases where people are cited uh, by police for public nudity, they oftentimes go back to this idea of like, oh, well, we need to prevent traffic accidents, so we can't have women out here topless. And in one New Hampshire town, they actually, the reason why they put a public nudity ban on the books in the first place was because they were having a big motorcycle, um, like, motorcycle event where lots of motorcyclists called? were coming in. Sturgis festival. Yeah, and they yeah. were like, oh, well, we can't have motorcyclists, you know, we can't have women showing their boobs to motorcyclists um, and causing accidents. Uh, just for the record, I've been to an East Sturgis rally. It's a long story as to why that is a thing that has happened, but I went to one in Virginia, and guess what? All the men were positioning themselves on the side of the road and sort of fake not allowing people to pass until the women did show them their boobs. So So there were signs at those festivals saying, show us your tits. Raise your tops. And women everywhere were doing it. Did you raise your top? I did not. (laughs) You know why? Because if I'm going to go topless, I'm going to go topless for me, not on command. Yeah. By, by a gang by of motorcyclists. Yeah, I actually hid in the bed of a truck. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, sh- I'll show them what I want to show them. I mean, it was pretty intense. So talk about hypocrisy. 
you know, we're saying, oh, the paternalistic state, and this is where my uh, anti anti federalist bones get achy. Like here, as uh, as the government, we say you sh- you must wear your seatbelt; it's for your own protection. You must not drink and drive; it's for the protection of everyone; it's for the good of all. And oh, by the way, you must not show your nips if you're a woman because it's for the good of all. It's for the good of the public. We're just trying to protect these distracted men. I mean, part and of me... we're trying me... to take care of you ladies. It's very... <laughs> benevolent. Benevolent sexism 101. Yeah, part of me kind of gets it because I do right. I do think that if you were if you were a topless woman walking down the street, I, I bet some driver would, would cause yeah. an accident. But that's... Hit like that's his fault. And so a part of me gets where they're coming from and that, you know, right. if women are walking around topless... Frankly, I don't trust that men wouldn't be like running into light right. poles with their car and causing a public safety problem until it was normal. Right, until it was normal. Like, and we'll never Europe, get, we'll hello? never get to normal yeah. if we keep legislating it. Exactly. This way. And so I want to hear from our uh, listeners from abroad. Tell us what it's like to live in a society that's not so drenched in our puritanical roots like it is here in the United States. Totally. I I'm, I want to hear all about this. Yeah. Um, and so one thing I, I I do need to state is that this issue. People have been arrested to, like, in modern, in modern times for this. So in New Jersey, this woman named Phoenix Feely, she served time in the, in a county correctional facility in Freehold Township, New Jersey, after she refused to pay an $816 fine stemming from being arrested twice in the same day in 2008 while sunbathing in Spring Lake, New Jersey. $800? Yeah, she basically was like, F your fine, I'm not paying this. Right. I should be able to go topless. Um, and she argued that, Going topless is not the same thing as being nude, and that women, like men, should be able to bear their chest in public. Um, and at her sentencing, she, you know, this is great. Quote. Yeah, it's crazy. So she says, "Quote: I refuse to pay a fine for an act that is legal for a man, but is illegal for a woman." And I, I think that puts it perfectly. And that's all we're trying to say here. We're not saying that Bridget and I are dying to take off our tops the minute we. Uh, we walk out of the studio. Oh, because I'm definitely not. <laughs> but <laughs> when it comes to like straight up gender discrimination, how is this not a clear case of something that is legal for men and illegal for women? And people would argue that men and women's breasts look differently, but guess what? Across the full spectrum of bodies in this country, that is not necessarily true. That is so not true. And I think, you know, another wrinkle of this topic is folks who don't fall along the gender binary, right? right. But like, Folks who like the are, are we have such a vast rainbow of bodies that fall yes. along all kinds of right. uh, of lines, and this idea that we are we are legislating, but like we are not let our legislation has not caught up with the fact right. that that is the case, or right? And trans women, exactly. And yeah. in in California, just recently, they they officially had determined that there are more than two genders. That is on their legal. That is a legal ruling that they have awesome. found, and yet our. Nipple laws have not <laughs> caught up with that. We still oh, legislated along a binary when we are when we have acknowledged as a, as a society that that's well, not. Well, I don't true. think all of us have. Well, correct. Yeah, but yeah, we're working on it. We're getting so. there. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this hashtag free the nipple campaign and how social media has become the new arena for that's really a hotbed for this debate. After a quick word from our sponsors. <laughs> And we're back, and there is so much more to talk about. Who knew nipples were this complicated? I know, right? They don't seem that complicated, but... So let's dive right into the hashtag, free the nipple, which 
uh, was coupled with a 2014 documentary, which frankly, all the buzz around the free, the nipple campaign and that documentary is how I first learned about this issue and first became aware that this was an issue. And I'll be honest, when I saw this parade of topless women in New York City on the Free the Nipple movie trailer, I was thinking, oh my God, this is too far. This, like, I'm a feminist. I'm a progressive, but this is over the top. And my gut reaction was, you know, this is not the battle to be fighting right now. And I have to admit, I've come around, but I was initially, like, very skeptical that this should be a priority. Yes, I completely, I mean, I I probably, I agree with you, and my take is probably almost more extreme. And so some of y'all might be surprised to know this. I, I'm maybe I'm a, a little bit of a prude or something, like, I... Um, I have a very gut reaction to public nudity. Yeah. I, I personally, like, I... You don't dig it. I don't dig it, and I, I don't dig it for, like, very problematic reasons that I have, like, clearly internalized, right? This is one of those things that, like, I, very, it's very clear to me that my problem with it is that I have internalized some not great stuff from is society this around... Perhaps? It perhaps is religious, because I'm a, I'm a, a person of faith. And I think, you know, I, again, as someone who goes to a lot of protests and things like that, like, the campaign Femin, where it's it's these women who are topless and they write things on their bodies. I'm always my first instinct is to be like, oh, I hate that. Like, put your shirt on. I, that is always my gut reaction, yeah. and I have to challenge myself to like not have that reaction right. and say, oh, this is a you know legitimate thing. Well, I think it's good that we're acknowledging this because internalized misogyny is so prevalent, and that's really what we're talking about. We've internalized messages about wrongness. Yes. That woman's body is not what we think of as uh, appropriate. And meanwhile, you know, think about all the Kardashian photo shoots, which are like the new, and we can't even go there with like the problematic race component to this, but I'm thinking of the totally nude paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cover. And we're like, yeah, Kardashian, beautiful. I mean, racially yeah. not okay, but... It's just interesting the kinds of nudity... Context matters. Yeah, the context matters so much. And it's interesting the kinds of nudity that we are we don't bat an eye at and the kinds of nudity that we legislate, shame, you know. Yeah. But we all of us do it. Like, we're all right. involved. Like, it's a... It's, and I think body shaming has a lot to do with it, right? Definitely. Like, and what do you mean? You can you can walk around unapologetically topless and not conform to, like, standard model catwalk standards? Like, we're not okay with that. Well, that's what's so interesting about that is that a political philosopher, Joel Feinberg, actually found that, or he argues that the reason why we legislate nudity in this way actually has little to do with public safety or doing what's good for the public. And it's actually about the fact that when shame, when feelings of shame, disgust, anxiety, guilt... When those are the kinds of feelings that are evoked by something, that's that's calls for a kind like that prompts a kind of legislation for that has nothing to do with public safety, right? right? And so when a, when someone feels has weird feels around someone who is topless, yeah, you know, legislators and lawmakers and folks who like make our laws feel the need to step in and legislate that. Feeling. And we know that legislation and legislators has been dominated by white dudes yeah. for as long as we've had a government. Completely. So the Free the Nipple campaign can be found at freethenipple.com. She, the sort of tagline here is, how far will you go for equality? It's about equality, empowerment, freedom. It's time. And they make a really compelling and interesting case for, you know, it's not okay for us to cheer women's bodies in one context and shame and legislate and just treat women's 
nipples, toplessness, as illegal, illicit, and lewd in another context. It's just total politicization? What is the word there? Yeah. It's politicizing women's bodies that are anatomically functional, that are anatomically equal, and we should treat them that way. Completely. And honestly, as I said earlier, I was a bit skeptical as in terms of this as our like big feminist issue but when i went to the free the nipple website mm-hmm. something that i found really interesting was that they were advocating for the era the equal rights amendment that would guarantee that men and women would finally be recognized uh, as equals yes. in the framework of the constitution and under federal protection and you know there are clearly so many issues and, and ways in which women and men are, are not equal you know we should is there an episode on the era just for the record the equal rights amendment is just an uh, an amendment proposed to the United States Constitution, which has been in political gridlock since what? I think the 1960s is yes. when it was first introduced, almost passed and didn't. It would have legally stated in our Constitution that men and women must be treated equally. And guess what? Our Constitution and government currently does not explicitly say that. And what's even more fascinating is that the United States is only one of the seven countries in the world, along with Iran, Somalia, Sudan, South Sudan, uh, Tonga, and Palau, that have not ratified the UN Convention on Eliminating All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. Wow. And so... So before we get a little high on our haunches, and I know a lot of... um Conservative women criticizing Hillary's campaign, and I get it. Like, it's fine to differ on politics, but I've heard from a lot of conservative um, feminists who say, let's focus on women who are actually oppressed abroad. Right. Because here in the United States, we are so lucky. We're so privileged. And in many ways, economically, that is true, not for all women, but in many ways as a nation, that's true. But... Hello, listen to where we're at. As a country, we haven't explicitly gotten on board with this. We are so far behind in so many ways. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. And again, I mean, this is an issue. It may seem small because it's just two bits of skin, but it's a very... I think it's an interesting case study in terms of of how we think about gender equality, that this is a very obvious and explicit and overt way in which women and men are not legislated the same. And how our our bodies are policed. Correct. And so I think, like, you know, even though I was skeptical at first, it's it's true. I mean, it's inarguably true that this is overt discrimination discrimination against women. So let's talk about social media, because I think social media is where this issue has blown up. Specifically with Instagram, but let's talk through some of the platforms and their policies already. Yeah, so I did a little digging, and so if you're curious, you know, what you can do and what you can show and how much skin you can show, here's a little breakdown of where we're at. Uh, so Tumblr and Twitter, they are, you're, they're, they're, you, anything goes. You can post whatever you want. Nipples. Well, nips. Nips. Nip, nip yeah. wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nip wise. So go nuts on both of those platforms. Um, on Facebook, they, Facebook used to have a no nipple policy of any kind. Now they are allowed if it's an image of someone breastfeeding. And so if you're a mom who's posting a picture of, you know, like my friend from earlier, like that was so strange to me that it was not a sexual image. It was her, it was an I- image of her celebrating her, her pregnancy and that she was banned from Facebook for it. So yeah, now, real. now it's fine on Facebook if you, as long as you're breastfeeding. Um, on Instagram, they are super, super not allowed. And we're going to get into sort of some interesting yeah. case studies of that. Um, I did find this interesting according to hyperallergic, um, quote, LinkedIn's policy on nipples is unclear. <laughs> so test it out. Let yeah. us know what happens. And, and so let's talk about the drama on Instagram because, context 
it's like who comes up with this stuff? But context really matters on Instagram. So a a piece of art, a painting or a photo or even a T-shirt or a bikini featuring nipples, like if you wore a nude bikini that had a photorealistic nipple breast on it, you can get away with that on Instagram. Which should just show you how absurd this an arbitrary this rule right. is. Um that, but your nips, like actual nips, not allowed. No, not allowed in any context. Unless you're a dude. Unless you're a dude. So uh the the guy from Orange is the New Black, Matt McGorry, is that his yeah, name? Yeah. Uh he actually posted a picture which I think really illustrated the ridiculousness of this policy. It's a picture of him topless, and he has cropped out his own male nipples, and on one side, he has cropped in a picture of Miley Cyrus's nipple, and on the other side, it's a picture of Chrissy Teigen's nipple. You could see me in the studio. I'm illustrating this with my hands in a very awkward way. Um, but that picture is allowed, even though he has Right. Exposed female nipples, but because he is a man, that picture is allowed, which is absurd. Which he did just to point out the absurdity. Yeah, yeah and I think this is a good illustration. Yeah, and in it, this policy on Instagram even gets to the point where um, a Vogue editor and artist, Grace Coddington, was kicked off of Instagram after posting a doodle, an image. It wasn't even like a, a, a hyper doodle, like realistic, a like it was a very like a cartoon of herself topless, and she was banned from Instagram for that. What and on earth? Yeah, this should just, just doesn't make any go sense. to show you how arbitrary and ridiculous this policy is. Well, I think it's funny the folks who are pushing the envelope here and and so, trying to point out the absurdity behind it. There's a a Instagram account called genderless underscore nipples, which has been uh, criticizing and sort of highlighting the ridiculousness of Instagram's strict stance on female nudity by posting hyper-zoomed-in images of nipples. Look at this one, B, with a nice piercing that says, bite me. <laughs> I like that nipple piercing. I know. So we've got a super close-up photo of a nipple that makes it impossible to tell if it was a male or a female nipple. And they're they're getting through. They're sort of bucking the rule here. Um there's one other Instagram kerfuffle. Did you have one that you wanted to attack? Oh, well, I want to I hear where you're going. Okay. So there's one other Instagram interesting story here that I think is really important to acknowledge, especially for women without nipples. And I'm thinking specifically around breast cancer survivors post-mastectomy. Um, there was an, a, a really beautiful um, Instagram account and a bunch of women who are breast cancer survivors who posted bravely, frankly, in this hyper like hyper judgy you know policing women's bodies context photos of post mastectomy um breasts and sort of chests and specifically there's an interesting account around um well here's a person specifically amy black who is a breast cancer survivor who got a post mastectomy nipple tattoo and you can get sort of t- nipples tattooed on. You can get really beautiful, incredible wow, art. That is, Look at this art. Like That well, is so powerful. Right? I mean, like, we reclaim your body. At this image. Exactly. And saying, like, I'm going to do something that makes me feel beautiful and reclaiming sort of that, that space on her body in her own way and whatever that looks like for you. Women without nipples, women without breasts, you know, if you identify as a woman, right, there's also surgery to transition to being male without breasts, but that's a whole other bag. Um, these women were kicked off Instagram. So nipple, not even nipples, breast, reconstructed breasts with tattoos celebrating breast cancer survival was banned by Instagram. That is 
maddening. What so the hell, I have another. I have another kind of wrinkle. It's not nipple related, but I think it does show how Instagram does seem sort of hell bent on. Uh, policing women's bodies. So in uh, 2015, an artist and photographer posted a picture of herself on Instagram of her laying in bed with a period blood stain on her pants oh, and yeah. on the bed. And Insta- and she's fully clothed. Like she's wearing long pants and a t-shirt. Like yeah. fully, fully clothed. And Instagram deleted this picture and deactivated her account. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's interesting to me that Instagram is is policing what should be you know, n- non-controversial parts of, of, of body ownership, right? Bodies menstruate once a month. Yeah. It's it's no secret. Sorry, y'all, it happens. And the fact that Instagram is like, oh, no, 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 we, we, can't. we can't have. And another kind of interesting point to make about this is that Facebook owns Instagram. And Facebook often has really disturbing, like, images and videos of people being murdered, people being tortured, and yet nipples menstruation well, these are things yeah. you can't you know and i think the the counter argument would be that this is a private company enterprise that this is not a, a right you yeah, know what i mean like, you don't have a right, people yeah. would say that this is our platform we can censor it the way we see fit but with the ubiquity of it is that really true like it's right. really it's really interesting but also how we treat women's bodies yeah. very differently and i don't yeah i it's it's just fascinating to me so i, I don't mean to say that instagram and facebook should change their like I mean, not so. I'm not making the point that they should be like changing their corporate policies around how they deal with this. I'm just pointing out that like it just seems absurd, and yeah. there seems to be no rhyme or reason to what they allow and what they don't allow. And I think that says something about our society and women. It's just very. And I would go. I would go a step further and say they should change it to just treat men and women's bodies the same. Here's a quote that um, Lena Esco, the founder of Free the Nipple, gave to Mike.com in this great article that I was just pulling from around um, how Instagram banned photos of breast cancer survivors. She says, quote, equality in terms of toplessness applies to the censorship of women's bodies on social media, the issue of equal pay, or the stigma against breastfeeding in public. It all falls down into the same category, which is equality. So when we police women's bodies differently than men's on the law books or on social media, which is a huge way that our communities, that our world communicates nowadays, we are reinforcing this idea that men and women have different rights. And that's messed up. It is messed up. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about how the various ways in which this is a a real gender discrimination issue after this quick break. And we're back. We were just talking about nipples and the nipple panic they tend to (laughs) (laughs) inspire. The drama. The drama around nipples. And so I wanted to talk about sort of what can be done. So if this is an issue that you want to get involved with, that you want to make noise about, there are ways and there are groups sort of doing that work. Mm. Um, And so one thing I would suggest is going to gotopless.org, which really is a a one-stop shop for all your nipple-related activism. Right. Um, And then I would say watch the documentary. um, Free the Nipple. It's streaming on Hulu. And I think there's other places online like Amazon Video that you can also find it or on iTunes uh, and Google Play. And it's a really great rundown of not only the the whack history behind uh, the discriminatory practices around enforcement and what's deemed lewd, but also a real chronicling of the the movement, right? The the movement, the march, the renaissance around women 
advocating for the right to go topless and and not be deemed a criminal for doing so. Yeah, and speaking of being deemed a criminal, um, in one county in New Hampshire, state representatives tried to ban female toplessness statewide, and this bill to ban it was killed in the House subcommittee after its members found out that, as written, a second offense would be a felony and could require those convicted to register as sex offenders, which is absurd. Right, which has huge ramifications on someone's uh, employment eligibility and life writ large for showing off what is publicly deemed appropriate for men and not women. How is that not discriminatory? It's so discriminatory. And again, I mean... Winding up on a on a sex offender list because you you know for sunbathing like that like that I think is is really something that we should be I mean the fact that that was even something that was considered in a modern day America I think is absurd and why and that's also why it's so important to understand enforcement understand the uh, very disjointed legality around this which you were telling me off air for a second about. Was it New Hampshire? Yeah. So New Hampshire is kind of a, a hotbed of case studies nipple around law. nipple law. Live and public... free or die unless yeah. you're a woman with nipples, right? <laughs> yes. And so what's interesting is there was a group of women, women in 2016 who were sunbathing in New Hampshire. They were in, they were in uh, Laconia, New Hampshire, sunbathing topless, and they had no complaints. Everything was fine. Then they went to another part of New Hampshire, Guilford, New Hampshire, topless to watch a fireworks display, and someone called the police. Um, the two women were cited. They were given citations, and it was determined that because there is no law banning female toplessness in the state criminal code, there could be no local ordinances that criminalized, you know, public toplessness of women. And what is also so strange is that, weirdly, the, t- the people of this town were Came like, to the women's defense. No, no, they were like, no, no, oh. n- we want this to be like, like they tried to get the oh, judge a municipal to, law against right nudity. But they for wanted women. the yeah. judge to continue to uphold this citation, but the judge was like, no, I'm not going to reverse my decision. There's no oh. state law against it, so they're there. We can't cite them. But it's interesting that you find state law bumping up against. Uh, city law and local law. And And enforcement arresting anyway. Correct. So even in places like New York City, where it's technically allowed to be a woman who's topless on the street, police officers need to issue reminders that they can't arrest women for simply going shirtless in locations where it would be permissible to do so if they were men. Um, And so the New York Times reports, simply exposing your breasts in public is not a crime. And so you have people... So you have to remind cops because otherwise... Otherwise they'll treat it as as if it's a crime and people will call the police and be like, oh, this woman is topless on the street. And Everybody just needs reminders that, hey, this is not a crime. And that just should go to show you how kind of you find all these different laws plus public opinion bumping up against each other with this issue. It's so bizarre. And I think of New Hampshire as the most interesting place for this to all be going down because it is such a libertarian state where they basically are like, we don't want government interfering in our lives as much as possible. We don't want government... Don't they have, like, no sales tax there? Like, their whole phrase is live free or die. It's a little, yeah. And yet, they're like, let's police women's bodies more, shall we? Yeah. That's So, live free or die unless you are a female sunbather on the beach. Right. Or just strolling around town with the nips out. And I think it's important to acknowledge the homology behind this. And so, homology is a term I first came across in Dr. Emily Nagoski, the sex expert's uh, book, about, uh, it's called Come As You Are. It's a fascinating read. I highly recommend it. About female sexuality and sexual pleasure. And what she made me realize is that men and women come from the same genealogy, right? We come from the same DNA. We, our bodies 
have the this existence of shared ancestry that is the reason why our bodies are mirrored. Our bodies are comparable. And she actually goes into great detail about how women's sex organs and men's sex organs are way more similar than you Mm. think they are. And I couldn't help but think about that when we think about why men have nipples in the first place. Like, why do men have nipples if there's no, uh, like, function, quote-unquote, function to them? And it's because of homology. It's because of the historical sort of um, equality between our organs and how we're produced as human beings in gestation and in development. So it's just a good reminder that the whole, all the stigma, all the drama, all the sexualization, all the titillating components to women's nipples are 100% society putting its per, like its perspective on your body. Like men and women's nipples come from the same DNA. Men and women's nipples are not as different as we're made to think that they actually are. And, and all the like, the sexiness of women's nipples is a someone else's judgment put upon your body. Totally. And I think that's, I mean, I, I keep coming back to this because I think it's one way that it plays out so so obviously is with breastfeeding, right? Like that we, as a society, have, you know, made breasts such a, a titillating thing when they're when they're they shouldn't be and i think i think it was amy adams who talked about in, a, in people magazine about after becoming a mom and starting to breastfeed that she was like yeah i mean my, the purpose of my body is to not look good and is not to look good right. in a bathing suit it's to feed my child at this point and you know i'm she was like yeah i'm more concerned with that functionality than like you know being in a bikini or what have yeah. you and so you know i i mean there are so many women out there who have been kicked off of planes, kicked out of restaurants for simply breastfeeding. breastfeeding. And it's such a, it's such a, you know, it should be a normalized thing. It's healthy for the baby. People are like, oh, girl, you know, breastfeeding politics are hardcore. We're going to get some mail for I'm that. Pro- I'm probably, We're going to get some no, mail no, for I that. should say, I should say, we should, I'm, well, I probably said the wrong thing. I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a whole episode what? around breastfeeding politics because I know it's tricky. Right. My mom is a pediatrician and she is often right. advocating for women's rights to right. breastfeed and as am I right. or not to breastfeed. Exactly. All the things. Um, but yeah, I think that when you have these people who are like, oh, you should cover up or do that right. in the bathroom. Like, would you want to eat your lunch in a bathroom stall? No. Gross. I know. It's just everyone policing women's bodies just like they police women's speech. And I have to give one more shout out to Kristen Conger, who did a really great YouTube video um, on on the question I was just discussing. Why do men have nipples? She was actually on Brainstuff's channel on YouTube. So another uh, How Stuff Works ep- uh, podcast. Brainstuff, um, th- just Google why do men have nipples. You'll find Kristen talking through that issue on more on more of a level, too. So I just want to throw that in there because I just mentioned it b- before. But yes, and to get us off breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, abort, I'm abort. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, I know it's yeah. a minefield. No, it's great, though. So last thing we want to just shout out to... Uh, those of us who are like, oh my goodness, I need to take action to free the nipple. I didn't realize this was such a big deal and such an issue, and it is. Um, there's a upcoming event where you can do just that. It's called Go Topless Day, and it comes up every August in what is it? The Tuesday closest to Women's Equality Day, right? Which, which marks is, the yeah. anniversary of women getting the right to vote, right? And so, all over the country, you might find free the nipple days and marches and protests or demonstrations where women are encouraged and welcome to go topless. And men, who there are many men who are here to support women, and we could talk about many complex reasons why, but. Uh, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and, and assume that they're all there to support <laughs> equality. 
Um, <laughs> but there are men who are <laughs> who are encouraged to wear bras and bikini tops and show up with their nipples covered and see how wonderfully comfortable that can be. So, uh, go topless day. It's coming up in August. Check it out. Get out to a demonstration if you're so inclined. You also can go and not be topless. That's okay too. It's just an opportunity to talk to women, to talk to men, to talk about equality and to talk about how we can raise more awareness, especially amongst legislators, uh, and, and be a part of the activist community in making the case for equality on the books when it comes to how we treat men and women's nipples. You know, we want to hear from you, especially if you have a uh, challenging relationship with your nipples. Like, how do you feel about nipples? Are you a survivor of breast cancer? Are you post-mastectomy? Are you a trans woman? I mean, what is what is what do nipples mean to you? Um, and is it important that this is something that is legalized for women in the same way that it is for men? I think there's a lot more to unpack that, frankly, Bridget and I didn't have time to get to in today's episode, but we hope this gave us a good starting point for our continued conversation on social, and we cannot wait to hear what free the nipple means to you. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. 